Hey, Patty, you want to do that disclaimer thing? Sure. The contents of the law report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk about sunscreen. Is it good for you? Is it bad for you? Does it prevent cancer? Does it cause other diseases? Is it an endocrine disruptor? Is it not? Sounds like a long episode. (laughs) The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. How do you feel about lotion? I use lotion. Do yeah. you do you use lotion? No, I don't. No. At all. No. No. Why? What? Oh. Okay. What's the point? I don't know. Hello, Michael Chapman. How are you? Man, I'm great. <laughs> Whoa. How are you, Patty Devers? I'm all right. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome everyone to this podcast brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. It's called The Lab Report, and it's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty uh-huh. lab testing, right. integrative therapeutics, That's right. and the like. That's right. And if you're new to the show, welcome. If you're Hi. returning, thank you so much What's for up? coming back. And hopefully you go to iTunes or Spotify, perhaps subscribe to the show, rate, review, mm-hmm. leave us some stars, mm-hmm. some feedback there. Mm-hmm. You know. And if you have additional feedback, you can send it to podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address. Mm-hmm. So... Michael, you don't wear any lotion. I don't wear like, lotion. No. Not moisturizing lotion. Not sunscreen. I'm just talking about any lotion at all. No, I don't wear lotion. Is that do do most men not wear lotion? Uh, I have to admit, I don't speak for all men. Uh huh. But you happen to be plenty one. of men out there that would say <laughs> I'm probably not even a good ambassador for our <laughs> for our species. Well, we don't want to alienate men who wear lotion, so let's just move on. I'm from sure this topic. there are men out there that wear lotion, and I'm sure there's men out there that mm. don't wear lotion. How's that for an answer? Great. But right now, we're not talking about any lotion. We're actually going to... No, I want to talk about lotion for a second. You do? Yeah. Well, how? I do, so the thing that I've noticed with lotion okay. is that the more that you apply it, I mm-hmm. feel like the more you have to apply it. I feel like there's an adaptation process that happens with your skin. And the other thing is... Do you have anything to back that up or just you're just... No, this musings? is this is, empiric, this is personal. Oh, okay. That's personal All right. experience. All right. Um, and the other thing is that um, our skin does what it's supposed to do, right? Like, I don't think we are lotion deficient as a species. Like it has sebaceous glands that keep it moist itself. I trust the body's innate wisdom Here's the problem. on how to keep your skin moisturized, provided Here's the like problem. anything else, you're giving it the right stimulus. That's my point. Most soaps are drying to the skin, right? So you're already taking that away from your skin. If you use normal soaps that you buy in the store. Why would you use normal soaps that you Great buy in the point. store? You see how all these things kind of yep. snowball? Too. Yeah. When do you think lotion was invented? I don't know. Should we Google it? Yeah, let's Google it. All right, I got it this time. L. Oh, o- goodness. Carry the T. Here we go. Then Here is we that go. A, is that a lowercase L or an I? I, I, I can do it. I. I can do it. Oh. I can do it. Is that a zero? Okay, I got it. I don't know how you got it because it sounds as if there was some math involved in your Googling, so this I'm will be interesting. <laughs> What you get? Uh, so, according to this one website, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't see any literature citations here, so we're going to take oh, it right. with a little bit of grain of salt. But it says the first lotion evidence of the first lotion appeared in three thousand BC. Hmm. 
To be honest, I thought you were going to say like 1975 or something. I, I kind of thought I was going to say that too. Huh. Uh, ancient Sumerians and ancient Egyptians were, uh, but you know, the thing that's not surprising about this is, of course, they didn't have a lot of the sort of chemicals that we have right. today. Just like they oils. were Right. Yeah. They were using essentially animal fats, oils, and honey. Okay. Well, that makes sense because that's all natural. Will mm-hmm. you now consider putting honey on your body? No, it sounds sticky. Hmm. It's good for like abrasions and stuff like that, but uh, maybe bacon grease. (laughs) (laughs) Got some of that lying around. What are you on about? Mm. Good question. And we're not too far off topic. I mean, we're getting the sunscreen. So um, why sunscreen? Why are we talking about this? Well, it is the summertime, right? And we did an entire episode on vitamin D and the effects of vitamin D, the sunshine vitamin. We know that's very important. Mm -hmm. But we also know that many people apply sunscreen when they're out in the summertime or they're out in the sun to protect themselves from the dangers of skin aging and skin cancers. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? I never would have expected that sunscreen could be polarizing, but it seems like <laughs> it is. There's there's certainly people mm-hmm. that are like, the minute you get outside, you apply the sunscreen, mm-hmm. and then there's a whole handful of people that are like, I just put baby oil on, you know? <laughs> right. I think what a lot of people forget is that your skin is a pretty good mode of delivery of things, uh-huh. which is why there's topical medications. And so a lot of people don't realize when you put something on your skin, it gets absorbed systemically. Anything. Anything you yep. put on your skin had, there bears the risk of it going into systemic circulation. And you're right. I think we do tend to kind of forget about that absorptive quality to the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a global perspective, too, maybe even getting back to what the lotion conversation is that the skin is also not only an absorber, it is a detoxifier and excreter. It excretes a tremendous amount of things in your body. And by applying some sort of barrier to your skin, you're also preventing the skin's ability to excrete. But I also see the flip side of that is, you know, the need to protect your skin from oxidative damage and stress from the UV light from the sun. So it's an interesting line we're walking here. Right. So where do we start? How do we break this down? Because we're in a we're in a pickle. I got to tell you, <laughs> this is a conundrum. Well, let's let's go back and remind ourselves about UV light. Right. Remember, we did the vitamin D episode, like I said, and we we're talking about how the sun emits all kinds of ultraviolet lights, all different types of wavelengths. Oh, man, this is starting to sound like physics. We're going to do like the light spectrum. There's no. the UV. There's visible light. There's infrared. Do we need to call up my Uncle Gary, the astronomer? Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? No, let's dumb it down a little bit. We're just talking about UV radiation, right? Uh So the sun emits several different types of UV, but the ones that really affect us are UVA and UVB because we have things like the ozone to capture all the rest. But Yeah, and if I recall from that episode, we learned that UVB is the portion of UV light that's responsible for the production of vitamin D. Correct. And also that it actually is deflected by windows, uh, so you can't get vitamin D by sitting by a window. And as I recall, you called it UV bogus. Well, that aspect of it, for sure, definitely, Mm -hmm. that's bogus. Yeah. Okay, so getting back to sunscreen and how it relates, you know, to the fact Mm -hmm. that we're lathering ourselves up with this stuff, what we're trying to do is prevent damage. So which one of the ultraviolets, A or B, Uh produce damage? I think they both do, but B is the one that's more associated with things like a sunburn or specific skin damage, the more outer layers of your skin. And A can go deeper and cause some really significant cellular changes and oxidative damage, but they're both related to causing problems with your skin. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not understanding. It's saying A is going to cause deep cellular changes and B causes more superficial issues, skin burns, and risk for cancer development. So my question is, isn't the skin cellular? Aren't those cells? 
Okay, let me clarify this. Please do. You're right. There are cells in your skin, okay? But I if thought I'm, so. So if I'm talking about... I thought I about, learned that somewhere. <laughs> I'm talking about UVB. Those are the ones that cause skin cancer and the sunburn. UVA goes a little bit deeper, deeper and goes into things like wrinkle formation, collagen, and photoaging. Okay, that helps. So as it relates to sunscreen... I guess my presumption would be that we're trying to prevent UVB because we're worried about skin cancer development and it's more tied to UVB exposure. So that's what these things are doing. I don't know why I'm, I'm interviewing you right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just no sitting expert. here asking questions. <laughs> well, I know that a lot of sunscreens actually target both UVA and UVB. And that becomes concerning. And the question keeps getting raised of, all right, well, if you're blocking all this UVB, can you become vitamin D deficient? That is a great question. I would maybe even phrase it, are you in any way preventing the conversion or the production of vitamin D by applying sunscreen? And it seems like the answer to that question is we don't know. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? I've got this article pulled up here, The Effect of Sunscreen on Vitamin D, a review, which is a meta-analysis, and it's an observational epidemiologic study. Um, and they talk about the fact that there is evidence that vitamin D production might be affected by the application of sunscreen, although in quote-unquote real-life settings, the risk is low. Um, and it says that it's not likely to cause vitamin D deficiency, which is an entirely different conversation. Right. Deficiency versus insufficiency. And the other concept is there's also dietary sources of vitamin D, so it's hard to be quote-unquote deficient yeah. And it's interesting in the results, they say that the studies mostly found, and it's a meta-analysis, right? So they're looking at a yeah, lot of studies, right. mostly found no association or that self-reported sunscreen use was associated with higher vitamin D concentration, Whoa. which is interesting. And it makes me think there's a third variable there is that yes. people who are more likely to self-report using sunscreen all the time Spend are probably... Spend more time in the exactly. sun. Yeah. So honestly, I mean, if we don't really know for sure, mm -hmm. maybe taking the middle path on this and making some assumptions, I would be saying that it's possible that sunscreen application can lower your production of vitamin D, although that might be offset by the amount of time on average that you spend in the sun, which might kind of counteract that. And given the fact that vitamin D insufficiency and deficiency is so prevalent, we need to sort of understand the risks of that vitamin D aspect and then also the risks as it relates to sun exposure and their associations with skin cancer. Yeah, and I guess it's pretty well accepted that the sun is responsible for various skin cancers, right? I think we can all agree with that. Well, and that's, yeah, hence the sunscreen. Right, right. And I think the Skin Cancer Foundation's stats are impressive and scary. They say that one in five Americans will develop a skin cancer by the age of 70. And, you know, having five or more sunburns in your life doubles your risk for melanoma. And that more than two people die of skin cancer in the U.S. every hour? It just seems excessive, right? I don't like when they do those yeah. where it's like every, every day, minute. right? Yeah. It's like I don't need you to take the percentages and then multiply it by the global population and then divide <laughs> it by some arbitrary amount of time. Like, save that. But I think it gets to the bigger point that skin cancer is a real thing, right? Yes. The, the numbers <laughs> are real thing. here. Yeah. But this brings up yet another conundrum here, sir. Man, we're full of pickles. <laughs> yeah, pickles? Oh, my God. Pickles. I, We're in a pickle. I don't, yeah, I don't know where it came from. I, th I guess just email podcast at gdx.net. <laughs> fermented, confused. Anyway, so we know vitamin D has all these health benefits for heart disease and even for your immune system. So vitamin D is really important, but cancer's bad. So where's the line between we need vitamin D to prevent all of these other diseases <laughs> these versus the two skin cancer? Yeah, these like, are the two buckets. How do you walk that cancer line? Cancer bad, D right. good. How do you walk the line? 
I mean, I guess I would walk the line a, a couple different ways. I'm looking at this paper addressing the health benefits and risks involving vitamin D or skin cancer and increased sun exposure. And the thing that stands out to me in that title is sun exposure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we run into is that there is a lot of information around the health benefits of sun exposure, including decreased risks of all-cause mortality, decreased risks of lots of different types of cancers. But that's not necessarily what we're talking about as it relates to sunscreen and the potential impacts around cancer. To me, the things that's going to drive cancer more likely as it relates to the skin is the aspect of overexposure in the sense to where your the skin is being damaged. Or burned, like a sunburn. Right. And in this paper, you know, one of the big sections that they talk about is essentially the north-south gradients of vitamin D and the north-south gradients of cancer incidence, mm-hmm. right? So there's this latitude, latitudinal effect. And that makes sense. And they attribute in the article that there's there's different pigmentations, different levels of pigmentation in the skin too, right? And so it makes sense that our body naturally has an adaptive mechanism, which is to add more pigment to the skin as a protection. And that pigment actually helps to scatter UVB uh, exposure, so to protect the skin from damage caused by ultraviolet light. But as a consequence, it also uh, puts a monkey wrench in the works as far as producing vitamin D. So there's this debate that we're having in the two buckets actually is just that. It's it, it's so much dependent on that third variable about skin pigmentation. And you can think in a similar sort of way when we're talking about sunscreen, just to bring it back to sunscreen, right? That's If you're trying to reduce exposure, it's theoretically possible that you're going to produce less vitamin D. So to your point, we haven't answered it, right? We haven't figured <laughs> out what, where we draw the And I don't think it's – we don't have to pick a side. I think at the end of the day, in my opinion – what we're trying to do is reduce sunburn. All right. Well, let me now bring it back to actually sunscreen, which is the whole reason for this episode, right? I so, forgot. I so, got lost so, in the, my rant. So then the question that's being bantered around now is, are the chemicals in sunscreen dangerous? Like, what's the risk benefit versus the chemicals in sunscreen? And I think an important distinction, first and foremost, is that there are different types of sunscreen. There are mineral-based sunscreens, and then there are chemical sunscreens, Right. And they work differently. They have different ingredients and different degrees of potential toxicity and risk. Yeah, and that's that's kind of an interesting point. It's something that I never actually knew. I just kind of had assumed that the mineral sunscreens are similar to the chemical Everyone sunscreens and the mechanism of action. No one thinks about it at all. They just slather themselves with stuff. Right. And one one is, quote unquote, natural. And then the other one is you just you buy from, you know, those those places. Yes. So. Uh-huh. The thing about chemical sunscreens I didn't understand was that your skin still absorbs UV light. And mm-hmm. what these chemicals do is they change the light into heat and then your skin releases the heat. Um, and so it's not actually affecting how much actual UV light is impacting your skin. So it's not blocking it. No. It's just taking it deep down and then turning it into heat. But then what you just said is important, right? So it gets absorbed deep into your skin. And like you said, these are chemicals. <laughs> my new chemical sound. (laughs) It's fitting. But because they're getting absorbed into your skin, they're also being absorbed into your circulation. And these are, again, chemicals. We've done a lot of talking about environmental toxins. (laughs) And the chemicals that are in sunscreen are things like oxybenzone. Sounds safe. Avobenzone. Yep, I love benzone. Benzones are great. Octocrylene, homocellate, octocellate, or combinations thereof. And again, these are now being absorbed into your circulation. So now the problem is, are these safe? Is this good? What do these things do? Because they're floating around in your circulation now. 
Right. And I, so I think the question of are they safe is kind of the one that really sticks out there. And it's interesting because in general, the FDA has ca- classified these as generally regarded as safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, until a recent article came out, 2019, suggesting that um, the absorption of these chemicals far exceeds what would be considered a safe, tolerable dose. And so the FDA is recommending further study on these sunscreens to prove that there's no toxicologic concerns here. Well, prior to that, anything, according to the FDA, if it didn't absorb and cause a level of 0.5 nanograms per milliliter in your blood, it didn't have to undergo toxicology testing. And so their thinking was that it didn't reach the levels whereby toxicology testing needed to be undertaken, but they find that oh, it far exceeds that level. So now it gets into what you're talking about. It's exceeding that level, far exceeding that level. What are the studies now? And let me be clear. The FDA <laughs> came out and said, by the way... They said it. Oxybenzone was more than 180 times our level of concern after a single application. Now that's saying something. And soared more to 500 times the level of concern after four days of regular use. Mm -hmm. So that's not Mm -hmm. nothing. Right. And the question then became from a lot of researchers uh, are some of these chemicals that are in sunscreen endocrine disruptors. And we've talked about this before, right? Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that come into your body (laughs) and act like hormones. They take up the receptors. They alter the metabolism of these chemical messages in your body and mess up your hormonal metabolism. So now the research is saying, okay, if the FDA is even saying these are really high levels, can we prove if any of these are endocrine disruptors in any way? So that came out in 2019, and, and kind of where we're at now is FDA is like, hey, you guys, you make these products. You need to go test them and make sure they're safe, mm-hmm. and nothing's happened. Well, I actually found one study. I forget if it was on octocrylene or benzophenone, but in essence, they did that exact thing. They were looking at hormone levels and, and various me- metabolites of your hormones after application of these products. Uh-huh. And it said it did not alter in any way your hormone levels or your hormone metabolism, but then I got to the end of the article, and yeah. it was funded by L'Oreal. Oh, sure. That sounds totally unbiased. Okay, so while we're waiting for all of these researchers to do some double-blind studies on these specific chemicals, and if they, in fact, may be disrupting our hormone metabolism, we, we know that all of these sunscreens that we're using have these chemicals. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Okay. Have these chemicals in them. My question then becomes, what do we do, right? We, it's the summertime. We need some type of sun protection. What is a safer option that we can use in the meantime while they're sorting this out? Well, so the other category of sunscreens that you mentioned uh, are actually the mineral-based sunscreens. And the mineral-based sunscreens are interesting because they actually do protect the skin's surface from uh, UV light. They deflect and scatter UV rays away from the skin, so it's not actually absorbed. They're like tiny mirrors, mm. um, and which makes sense, and that's why it's like zinc oxide. You know, they're kind of deflecting the overall UV radiation. Um, and so that's an option, too. Not a lot of downfalls to that. They don't clog pores or anything like that. Um, they do sometimes require frequent application, and you kind of look like the stranger at yeah. the pool because you have this sort of like whitish... White nose and white all over your body, right? Right, right. But in most circumstances, they're not going to contain a lot of these chemicals. 
Yikes, your face is very severe. You're squinting at me. No, it's just because it's bright in here. Oh. Should we open the window? Oh, man, I just got my car washed. Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to interview Dr. Sylvia Terra, PhD researcher and author of the book, The Secret Life of Fat. Yeah, and we're going to talk weight loss myths and a new perspective on fat. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Wow. After all that research into sunscreen that we did yep. on your vacation though this next week, are uh-huh. you going to wear sunscreen at the beach? Are we still recording? No. So uh, I'm going to do what I always do. Which is? I'm not going to wear sunscreen uh-huh. unless I start to get burnt. Mm, and then you. I'm going to put sunscreen on to prevent myself from getting burnt. Somehow I picture you with this huge brimmed hat instead of sunscreen. Like a sombrero? And a poncho. Why? Just cover everything up. Because you don't want any of the chemicals in your skin. I don't. That's why I don't put them on my skin. <laughs>